Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Hey there. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborne. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are thrilled to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutters, our barista, and today the church celebrates the feast day of St. Albert the Great. Shane Bednarik and Brother Michael Hurley are also with us here in the cafe to discuss cultivating interior conversation with God. And Father Dave Sizemore is going to jump in on the conversation around 8.30. Good morning, Amanda. (laughs) Good morning. How are you? Quite well. Can you lift us in prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. Thank you for your goodness and for your blessings and the particular ways that you love each and every one of us. Lord, help us to hear your voice today to come to know you, to come to love you more and more. We ask that you just help us to dive into those secret places of our heart, to relinquish ourselves to you, to surrender ourselves to you, and to give give to you whatever whatever we're fearful of, whatever we're, we're lacking, whatever we're uncertain of. We just place ourselves in your, your loving care and we surrender. We ask ask our mother to help us with that as we place our intentions in her hands. We pray this all through Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Albert the Great. Yeah. We just found out what makes him great. Yeah, what makes him great. He's really smart. Okay, that's pretty great. He had depth and breadth of knowledge. (laughs) He was one of the... First, I guess, natural scientist. He was very proficient in all the sciences. Mm-hmm. A teacher of? St. Thomas Aquinas. Ding. That's He's right. He's like the OG. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love Thomas Aquinas. So when I heard that he was his teacher, yeah. I was just like, wow, this is where he got it all from. And then he, like, of course, took it and went further and, you know, God enlightened him. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, St. Albert the Great. A great scientist. And we had a field trip yesterday. Yeah, that was so fun. We went to our tower site. Mm-hmm. Down in the Grove City area, our engineer, Greg Savaldi, met us there. And speaking of science, tried to explain. And I think he was very successful. <laughs> yeah. I walked away with a better understanding. Not that I could tell you everything he told us, but he did give us some great information it's remarkable Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean the whole science of radio yeah and uh walked around the tower site and didn't get electrocuted (laughs) (laughs) because there's fences around the most awful i guess highly charged parts of the right but uh yeah yeah fences mean something (laughs) but bring it back around to albert the great Mm -hmm. you just see God's glory in how, I mean, this was all in place. This is what right. he created mm-hmm. and really smart guys and, and gals, I'm using the term, you know, <laughs> um, revealed 
you know, kind of everything right. and, and how it all fits together, the radio waves and how they're transmitted through the air and through the ground, the different frequencies. Yeah. Um, I mean, just brilliant. I think that's why I think it's a little funny sometimes when people kind of like, oh, I believe in science. I'm like, but God is the greatest scientist. And he left all this just for us to discover and have fun and to grow and to learn. And yeah, so... It's amazing. And a Catholic named Marconi was huge in radio. I don't know how you would say he didn't invent radio. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he made it possible. Okay. I don't yeah. know anything about him. And some of the him. first transmissions were from the Vatican. So wow. Catholics have embraced radio from the very beginning. St. John Paul II, let's call him great as well. Um, said that radio is the most intimate of media. And we've seen that throughout our history uh, because a, a good number of our listeners listen in the car, and it, and it is. It's, you know, speaking directly to the heart. Right. So, It's probably worth apologizing if you were listening at about, I don't know, <laughs> what, 1020 in Western Ohio. Um, we did power down the radio station to our nighttime signal just because we were learning about it. And so if you were listening in Western Ohio and you lost the radio for what, two minutes tops? Sorry. Tops. That yep. was us. <laughs> Sorry. We were learning. <laughs> we were learning and yeah. So apologies for that. But we're on everywhere, everywhere in Ohio, AM820, Portsmouth, Scioto County, Athens. We got you covered. Mm -hmm. So thanks for listening. Shane, Brother Michael, welcome to the cafe. Thank you. Good to be back. Great to be here. Brother Michael, we have a, a bold declaration this morning. Do you? We are declaring the cappuccino as the official drink of the cafe. Good, good choice. <laughs> Fun fact, I've why? never had one. I've never had a cappuccino. Oh. Never had a cup of coffee in my life. I got too much energy as it is. Don't but make me. Don't make us change our mind here. <laughs> <laughs> why is the cappuccino called a cappuccino? Yeah, so the color of the cappuccino is the same color as our habit. And so when they saw it, they said, let's name it a cappuccino. There's also a monkey named after us, the capuchin monkey. It's a brown monkey with a kind of a white face. And when they first saw the monkey, they're like, that looks like the old capuchins with the white beards. <laughs> I think that's more of an accurate description of us, the monkey, <laughs> than the cappuccino. <laughs> How about a monkey on coffee or a oh, monkey on caffeine? Go. There yeah. you go. Wait, other capuchin connection? Weren't the Jedi in Star Wars based on the capuchin or was it just Obi-Wan? That's a great question. That's a fun fact I'm not I sure of. I hope so. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I really want to like just hold out my hand to sit, like towards some kids and have it like pre-planned where they'll jump back and then freak somebody out. <laughs> yes. Full support. Full okay. Next time you're at Damascus, like we will plan that. We will make it happen. Let's do it. And then you have to come back and share. Tell us how it went. <laughs> Did you have uh, trick-or-treaters at, uh, at, your, at your rectory at uh, Christ the King? I was actually at the out of town, yeah, ah. so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But if they were, they were looking for Jedi for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've declared a an official animal of the cafe. No, I would have never even thought of that. What's the monkey called again? Capuchin monkey. Capuchin monkey. There you go. Okay. Two declarations, <laughs> one day. <laughs> so we're going to talk about cultivating interior conversations with God. Where would you like to jump into? This is a big conversation. I guess start maybe with, is God speaking to us? Yeah, that's a good place to start. 
do we even believe that God speaks to us? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) like, I feel like that is one of the um, inherent truths that is lost on the world today, that, um, like, God is always speaking. It's God is always speaking. That is the truth. The question actually should be, are we listening? Mm. Because, like, God speaks through scripture. I mean, it's literally just God's revealed word. God speaks through creation. Like you guys were talking about science. Like he speaks through all of that. All of these like Catholic scientists who have done amazing things um, and like other non-Catholics that also have done amazing things. But like God is still speaking through all of those things. I just think like, especially today, we're either like not listening with our ears off or tuning them out or like just filling so much like other stuff, whether it's like possible goods or just like straight junk into our ears. And like, we're completely missing all of the goodness that he has for us. Yeah. God's kind of like St. Gabriel radio. You're always talking. It just, it's about whether you turn it on, right? Whether you turn on the station or not. Yeah. Bring it home. Make that kind of analogy. Nice. It's really important to, to really examine ourselves. Do we believe that God is always talking? Do we believe that we can hear him? Because if you don't believe you can hear someone, you're not going to listen in. Right. So maybe at 1020, you had the two minutes where you weren't listening. So you maybe changed the channel. Right. And so if you don't feel like you can listen to God or if you don't feel like he is speaking or you can hear him, well, then you're not going to lean in and listen. So if someone is whispering with a quiet voice, which God does, what do we do? We lean in closer to them so that we can hear them. So really about listening to God is about leaning in, taking that time in silence to lean in closer to him so that we can we can hear him. Brother Michael, what do you think in terms of like cultivating a belief? Because I mean, I think there's a lot of times where just like, what do you mean God speaks? Like I can hear his voice. Mm-hmm. No, it's very true. Very true. I mean, one way of increasing your belief that God speaks and that you can hear him is testimony, mm. right? Is talking to others and asking them, how have you heard God and hearing their stories? And sometimes we hesitate even to share the ways that we've heard God, but that can increase our belief. And then realizing that God doesn't speak to us just like anyone else might speak to us, right? But he might speak to us in a word, right, that comes to our mind. He might speak to us in images. Recently, my spiritual director said, take the images of your day that you've experienced and take that to prayer. And God may be speaking through you through those experiences, and you could take them and contemplate and meditate on those, on those experiences that you've had. So there's many different ways that God can speak to us. But I would say that he, the easiest place would be speaking in the silence. Right, Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. He's going into the silence. You said images. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean images, images of your day, right? And so I, I work a lot with kids, and so just spending time thinking about. Actually, even yesterday we were we were doing this. I was doing this exercise with some kids and thinking about an Im- and an image came to my mind uh, of. I like to play with the kids on the playground, right? And there was this little girl or a bunch of kids that were just showing me how they were climbing on the on the monkey bars, right? And some of them could go right across the monkey bars. And some of them could go a little bit. And then some needed some help, right? And so I would help some, wouldn't help others because others maybe needed to grow in their belief that, no, I can actually do this, mm. right? And so there's different levels. And that came to me in prayer. And I just thought that was a moment of being distracted in prayer. But God said, no, that's the image that I want to give you. And then I realized, oh... He, we're like on the monkey bars. Some of us have different gifts. Some of us need a little help. Some of us, he's actually going to allow us to fall, right? Some of us, he's going to challenge us to try a little harder. So that image came to me. And then if you take time with it, 
then you realize, oh, God's got, trying to give me a message here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, well, then that makes me think, well, how do you discern? Is this a distraction or is God speaking this way? Great question. Great question. Um, I think it was Christopher West. I'm not sure. Um, I just know like somewhere I was having conversations about distraction and Christopher West was brought up and um, he was like talking to a spiritual director or something and was just like, yeah, all of these songs are just like distracting me. Like all these like random music. And his spiritual director was like, follow it. Like you're literally a musician. Like God's going to speak to you how you would like best receive. So in like some ways, like I think that there are some things that are obviously distractions. Like if you're starting to plan your shopping trip, um, but like if he's starting to give you like something, even if it seems like, Oh, like this was just a thing that happened yesterday. Like at least follow it for a few moments, see how it plays out. Like if your heart is in a disposition towards like, this could be God speaking to me. Like it's not, you're not losing anything because you're trying to grow closer to God. And, um, James four, four, eight, um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So mm-hmm. you're trying. And notice what Shane said. He said he talked to his spiritual director, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's a spiritual director, whether it's a, a friend that has a deep relationship with God, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst. So bouncing it off of someone else to be like, ah, I don't think the shopping list is what God's <laughs> trying to tell you. But he may be, he may say, no, actually that can be confirmed. So really don't be afraid to ask God for confirmation because sometimes we doubt, sometimes we struggle. Say, God, look, you know, this is my, I tend to overthink, right? You might, you may say that to God, God, you know me, you know, I tend to overthink, please confirm this. And often it'll happen with another person. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it. That confirmation can come in a number of different ways also, right? Uh, Through scripture, through, you know, uh, a direct line, so to speak to God, but then also through our experiences and through other people. I wanted to ask you though, are the, Monkey bars, capuchin monkey bars. That just <laughs> sorry, that just popped into my head there. Um, that one might have been a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> but let, yeah, let's let's go with that. Attentiveness, uh, obviously, our multitasking and jumping from activity to activity uh, is uh, dangerous to our ability to cultivate silence. Where where how, how Shane? Let's start with you. How how do you quiet yourself uh in the day to have that silence with a lot of difficulty (laughs) um (laughs) i am the i live with two other guys i'm the roommate with his headphones always in um and one of my roommates calls me out on it all the time um but i have not changed um but like for me i kind of go to the extremes of like I'm always like encountering noise, whether it's music, whether it's podcast, like something. Um, so that when this wasn't like an intentional choice, but like when I go to my silent time in prayer, like I leave my phone in the other room, I leave my watch in the other room, I leave my headphones in the other room, unless like the Lord makes it very clear, like, no, I like have something I want to show you or like tell you through this, um, which is very infrequent these days. And so I just like sit and I just like, wrestle i struggle with it like again spiritual director um mine like kind of just was like you take way too many things to prayer you like are doing too many things like Mm. just sit and be with him just sit and be with jesus and let him speak and like i've had a few prayer times where it's just like come holy spirit come lord jesus nothing is happening i'm just sitting here um and like 
in that I don't walk away like frustrated of like, oh man, God didn't speak or like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my daily mission, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm just like, okay, Jesus, like this was just time, like finding you in some ways. And like finding of the boy Jesus in the temple is a rosary mystery. So like, clearly we should like reflect on that kind of stuff. But then like on the other side, I have some like rich mornings where like I lose track of time a little bit and like I might start running a little late or like have to leave a little early or something like that. Like he comes when he is ready, not like when I'm ready for him. Mm-hmm. Actually, Shane, you bring up a good point. Um, we're talking to Brother Michael and um, Shane about just hearing God's voice in prayer. And so I think there's this tendency to maybe di- get discouraged if we don't hear God right away. Um, any thoughts on how we can combat that? Or how have you combated that, like coming away discouraged? Um, I think it's just kind of like, um, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like you have to just like keep trying. And um, like I've heard the phrase fail forward a lot of times. So like, even though it's not like a failure because you didn't do anything wrong, you literally did your part. Right. Like you're still just saying, Oh, okay. Like that sucked, but don't give up. Like, do not give up. Even if it like is not a good experience for you, just keep trying, keep pushing in. And eventually the elephant will be consumed. And like, I mean, wow. Okay. Accidental. Like Jesus gets consumed. Um, didn't mean to make that parallel, but we love that. Um, but like eventually like things will just break Mm -hmm. and, um, like Jacob wrestling the angel, like you'll receive the blessing. Just keep on fighting till daybreak. Right. Another thought that came to mind as you were sharing that was like that time isn't wasted, right? Just if I think about going to hang out with my friend and maybe we didn't like accomplish anything. Maybe we didn't come up with any big revelation or something. I don't consider that time wasted. Mm-hmm. Maybe we just had a nice walk and really didn't talk a whole lot, but we had time together. Yeah, there's a there's a story of St. John Vianney. And there was this man that would come every day to the chapel. And he would just sit there in front of the chapel. And St. John Vianney never saw him with any books. He never saw him fingering a rosy breeze. He never saw him even talking and so he was kind of curious like what's this guy doing just coming day after day after day and he went up to the man and he said you know what are you like saying to Jesus and he goes nothing I look at him and he looks at me and to your point uh, I also think of like a, a married couple right so I may have made this point my first time on but you think of a, a couple that's newly dating they do not want any sort of silence the awkward silence right so talk 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 someone finishes the next point the next point the next point they're nervous right and they want to fill the silence the difference between that and someone who has been married 50 years right they go out their date is they go on a walk on the beach right they sit on the boardwalk and they they look out and they don't say anything to each other and then they get back and their kids say hey how was your date wonderful what'd you talk about (laughs) nothing (laughs) right you just enjoyed each other's presence Right. And there's that maturation that can be, yes, it's not wasted time. It's not wasted time. The the words don't always need to fill things. It can just be sitting in each other's presence. Mm-hmm. Shane, extrovert. Introvert. Introvert. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You brother think Michael? Shane's an introvert, but he rallies. He makes those rallies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about you, brother? Yeah, I need to I need to dive into my introvert side. I'm a high extrovert. Yeah. Extrovert. Amanda's an introvert. Mm-hmm. I'm read really the I I didn't know how much of an introvert I actually am until I started doing this. 
uh, the radio show and how just exhausting it, it, it can be to, to go from the on to, to, to quieting. So I, I, as a high-functioning extrovert <laughs> brother, um, tell us a little bit about your walk with the Lord uh, and how your prayer life evolved or has evolved from before Capuchins and then after Capuchins. Yeah. What, what have you learned? No, I've learned the importance of silence. I'll be honest, as an extrovert, it is not my tendency to go to it. But I'm also fascinated by it because it's something I'm not often experiencing. In fact, uh, one of the brothers spent some time with the Carthusians, and he said he was shocked to learn that the Carthusians is one of the most intense orders in the church, and they spend almost their entire day every day in complete silence. And there's only certain times of the week where they speak, and he said that most of them were extroverts. I was like, I was shocked by that. And he's and his thought was that it was because you're fascinated and the sounds which we're not drawn to. So it's almost like a mystery for mm. us. But for me, I've had the discipline, the discipline of taking time, of planning out when I'm going to be spending time in silence has been something I've needed to have because it isn't my natural tendency. And so, to, I mean, to this day, silence is very challenging for me to, to sit in, but I know the importance of it. I imagine for I've, what I've been told by introverts is if I spend too much time by myself, I start kind of losing, losing sense of, uh, of like the world. And I turn really inward, right? For us extroverts, we're so focused maybe outward that we then sometimes lose a sense of ourself in our relationship with God from ourself. We're very aware of other people's relationships with God, but we need to really focus on our own, the one-on-one. And so one-on-one as an extrovert isn't a natural tendency. So I've had really through discipline has had to, had to grow through that. Um, and that's been very helpful, having a regular scheduled time for contemplative prayer. And I find that it really fills me. It really fills me. Brother Michael and Shane are with us here in the cafe. Father uh, Donald Haggerty. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with Father Haggerty. He's in a uh, diocese of New York. Refers to silence as a foreign language. And to what you were saying, brother, it, it, it's a discipline. You know, you, you have to learn the language of silence. Um, so I've been walking with that a lot, too, because... With Duolingo is my frame of reference here. You, you really have to make it a daily practice and it's fun, you know, and it's engaging and you see progress and it's the same way about learning this language of silence is to make the effort, learn that language and then, you know, become more and more proficient and, uh, and then use it, you know, so it's just not learning a, a language for the sake maybe of, you know, acquiring knowledge, but it, it's really something that you enter into and that, and that you use. So I've heard it described as, you know, it's not a means, like you said, to, to just gain knowledge, but to be able to have that conversation, to yeah. have that relationship. And so that's really the goal of hearing God in prayer is to cultivate a deeper relationship. Hmm. One term, you're absolutely right, and it's it's just not speaking that language, right? Right. It, it, it's learning how to listen, and, yeah. and and that's you know you hear language spoken, as well as just being able to speak it. So you have to be able to process both. What uh, we talk two terms. I want to see if we can define, brother, a meditation and contemplation. 
What's the difference? Yeah, so med- meditation would be mostly us doing the action, right? So we are entering, or like our effort is what predominates. The, the catechism calls meditation a quest, right? A quest. The mind seeks to understand the why and how of the Christian life in order to adhere and respond to what the Lord is asking. The required attentiveness is difficult to sustain. But we are usually helped by books. So things like the things like um, spiritual reading, things like the scripture, things like rosary, spending time in these in these practices, in these devotions. This is meditation where our effort is really what predominates. Whereas contemplation is more of this passive reception, right? It's this passive reception uh, where you are seeing God working on you, God revealing to you. The Catechism uh, talks about St. Teresa defining contemplation. Contemplative prayer, she says, in my opinion, is nothing else than a close sharing between friends. It means taking time frequently to be alone with him who we know loves us. And the Catechism continues to go on by saying, in this inner prayer, we can still meditate, but our attention is fixed on the Lord himself. So contemplation really can be done any time. That's the beauty of contemplation is you can... You can really just, in a sense, really silence yourself and receive what the Lord is giving you. This this uh, really um, posture of reception, right? Meditation takes a little bit more. You got it in the sense you're sitting down, you're fingering your rosary, you're praying, you're praying with the scripture, you're doing your spiritual reading, and then you're thinking about it. You're taking time to di- digest it. But and so that in that sense, the contem- or meditation will takes takes a little bit more of the. Um, setting aside time to sit down and pray. But as you're driving to, to your work today, you can't exactly be reading scripture, right? Uh, you can't exactly be doing spiritual reading. When you're at your desk, maybe it's not as convenient to really pull out a book and start reading, but you can contemplate. You can sit and take a few moments in your car, at your desk, and, and just in the silence and say, Lord, how do you want to, and just be with the Lord and receive. So it's, a, it's a really a posture of reception versus meditation is more of us doing the action us doing the questing, the seeking. But there's real, if, you, if you're really wanting to do a little bit more deep dive, the Catechism has a wonderful section on contemplation and a wonderful section on meditation and the, and the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Is, is contemplation a something you learn over time? I mean, the, how, how do you... You know, we think of the great mystics that have, you know, I guess, met God in this way. How unique are they? Because we don't talk about this aspect of the spiritual life all that much. Not Certainly not as much as we talk about the meditative activities. But how, how rare is actually entering into contemplation? I'm so glad you brought that up because certainly the mystics are pra- very practiced in contemplative prayer, but the danger would be to think, oh, I'm not a mystic, therefore I can't do contemplative mm-hmm. prayer. I mean, think of Mary, this young girl who pondered these things in her heart, right? Think of Jesus, at, right after Jesus read the five, or fed the 15,000, so it's, or 5,000 in uh, Matthew chapter 14. Mm-hmm. So he feeds the 5,000, and what does he do? Then after he's fed the 5,000, this very active moment, this active life, miracles happening, everyone listening, and doing this wonderful teaching, then he, what does he do? He sends the disciples out into the boat, and where does he go? He goes up onto the mountain. What's the scene after that? 
is Peter walking on water, right? There's this storm at sea. There's a lot going on in their life. There's this fear. There's this um, really turbulence. And what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't come running. He comes walking across mm-hmm. the water, right? He's found that peace through contemplation. Jesus, again, a young man, did it take, you know, is he, is he in his 60s and 70s having spent 50 years in contemplation? Mm. No. You know, he's a young man. He's in his 30s and he's contemplating anybody can learn contemplation. And it is. It's a resting. Now, I would actually argue children are good at resting. And it almost gets harder in some ways to rest because the more responsibility, the more the more pain you have, the more stressors you have in your life, it's hard to sit still. You don't want some of those things to bubble up, right? But think of a child who is three years old who has fallen down and, and hurt their knee and they come running over it and they jump into your arms and they put their head on your shoulder and they're not saying anything. They're just there with you, resting mm-hmm. in their father's arms, their mother's Receiving arms. love. Receiving love. Yeah. That's a beautiful image. Yeah, just to literally confirm like all of that, like um, during summer camp, we like teach the kids Lexio Divina. And so meditation and contemplation are two of those steps. Now I'm talking like sixth grade through senior in high school. And like they all have their own experiences of it. Like some struggle more than others, of course, but like, on the opposite side, um, I've been working with like little, little kids at my church every Sunday. And it's exactly that. Like one of them hurts themselves and like they have a reaction. And so like, what is their natural reaction? A lot of times for them, like, just because like I'm a large figure who they like know, like we'll play with them, we'll love them. Like they'll come to me and stuff. And so it's just like that simple, like, Hey, like you're okay. You're okay. Like just literally speaking that over them when something happens, but some kind of schema, something just breaks at some point. And now it's like, oh, they like don't have that like easy connection. They don't have that trust with like God the Father anymore. And like that's where some of the contemplation becomes a little bit more difficult. That's where like the like, oh, what I'm hearing is actually God becomes more difficult too. Mm. Do you think that's maybe the word identity comes to mind? Like this, I this need to kind of rediscover our identity as a child of God, kind of plays into this prayer life. Well, notice they run to Shane. Shane being like a father figure, right? Tall, big guy, and so they the child falls and they run to the father. Mm-hmm. They know where to run, and so for us, it's very much what we could do is run to the father. And sure, we can share with him our hearts. We can share with him what's on our minds. But with con- contemplative prayer, it's just running to him to just have him hold you. And to Shane's point, some of our past experiences with others have caused really a, a hesitancy, a hesitancy, mm-hmm. to, whether it be a difficult relationship with our father or another authority figure, it can be difficult. Can be, and the healing, that, that's why it's very important to have healing in our lives with our relationships, because really our, our pain of our relationships with others can cause us to have a, a really a painful relationship with the father, but the father can bring us that healing. So running to the father running to the father i'm thinking of that song maybe shane you know a little bit better. cody carnes run to how the does father. it go yeah. how does it go um i run to the father i fall into grace oh now i'm blanking and again and again yeah. and again yeah mm-hmm. um and like even more to the point of like sometimes we have these wounds like that um impact our relationship with god the father but what did god do he came as three persons in one like God the Father isn't the only option to go to for contemplation. We can go to Holy Spirit. We can go to Jesus. Or even then, like, we have the whole litany of saints. We mm-hmm. have angels that, like, 
their sole purpose is to help us find God. We can continue to just move forward with them. And like Mary, like one time I had a dream actually. And um, I was this little kid and um, like Mary, I knew it was Mary, my mother with me. And um, she just was like, hey, I just like want to introduce you to my son. And like, this was only like a couple years ago. Like I was pretty, I would like call myself at that point, like pretty mature in my spiritual walk, but it was still this, like I was a child and Mary was introducing me to her child, Jesus. And so like, that's exactly what the saints are going to do. That's what all the angels are going to do. That's what mama's going to do. They're going to bring us to God. They're going to help facilitate that healing so that ultimately we can be secure in that identity. Mm-hmm. Father Dave Sizemore is joining us in the cafe. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. We, we've got a full house. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. That's great. <laughs> well, thanks for joining the conversation. I don't know if you were able to uh, listen to the last couple minutes. Uh, we're, we're, t- we're talking about the uh, active life and the uh, contemplative life. And uh, let me put this out there. The story of uh, Mary and Martha. It, does that show that balance or how the active life and the contemplative life? Is that one way to look at that scripture passage? It's one of the go-tos when um, up and down the ages, uh, different, um, you know, great spiritual minds would look at the active life and the contemplative life. They would often look to them as models. Um, but I think the key really is to integrate both into our own lives. You know, by that I mean the folks who are living out in the world. Yes, there are, you know, cloistered nuns and, and, and brothers and, and priests in monasteries and convents, and they're, they're as Thomas Merton said, they're, they're prayer powerhouses of the world, you know, constantly interceding for the world. And so we definitely need them. And yes, there are people that are out in the streets literally um, helping people in a variety of different ways in that active life. Um, but, you know, for you and I, because, uh, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a diocesan priest, so I'm in the world, and, and our listeners, um, we're in the world. I think the key for us is to find ways to um, um, integrate uh, those two aspects, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin, if you will, um, and that becomes, you know, um, uh, that becomes the stuff that we spend our lives with. And uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I was um, reading a book uh, recently. I'm taking this leadership course for um, people who uh, are leading in uh, church life. And um, uh, th- there were several uh, saints that we were introduced to and several kind of contemporary leadership concepts that we were introduced to. And it was, it was fascinating to see how they integrated, you know. So, for instance, um, if you're talking about the contemplative and active life, um, one of the keys to leadership, uh, is partic- but again, particularly spiritual leadership, the ability to lead others, um, is first self-awareness. You know, I mean, you think of St. Catherine of Siena and her dialogue. Um, she talks about going into the inner cell. Uh, the Lord asked her to go into this, like, inner cell. Think of cell like a room. Into this inner room 
And there he asks her to look into a mirror. And when she looks into the mirror, she sees him. And that was just the point. He wanted her to see more of him in her and more of herself in him. And that's, he, and, and she called that the cell of self-knowledge, that the first step, really, in the spiritual life, um, let alone the ability to lead others, uh, is to become self-aware. Uh, and becoming self-aware, I heard you earlier talking about, you know, we, we have wounds in our life. We all have them, uh, to greater or lesser degrees and in their varieties. And so we become aware of uh, what's going on in the interior life, you know, like w- what w- words we speak to ourselves, what what do we believe about ourselves, what kind of vows, holy or unholy, that we've made, what kind of wounds we have, and, and, and how they're affecting us, and what are our strengths, and so on. And then when we become self-aware, the next step is that we are able to self-manage, you know, because, for instance, when we have havoc going on inside and we don't know where that comes from in our history, it'll continue to wreak havoc, and then we won't be able to manage our thoughts, our feelings, um, and, and they'll affect our d- decisions, and, and they'll flow into our actions. And so we learn how to self-manage. And all of this, of course, in the spiritual life is with the accompaniment of, like I just heard, you know, the saints with Mary, with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, where, uh, you know, St. Catherine does this with Jesus in the self, self-knowledge. And then when we have that, and that's a journey, by the way, when we grow in self-awareness, what's going on in the interior life, and we can have self-propriety, then we are capable of being in relationship with other people. That's the third step is being aware of other people. Because, man, when we're not even aware of what's going on inside of us, and we, and, and we don't know why we do what we do and, and, and how to uh, have propriety of that, the good and the bad stuff, then how can we ever really be in healthy relationships with other people, let alone be aware of what's going on in other people? Mm-hmm. You know, when we get self-absorbed, we can't, we, we, it's, it's a struggle to be aware of what other people, just even be aware of other people, let alone what their needs are, for instance, you know. And, but when we do become aware of other people, then we know how to be in a right relationship with them. We know how to be in a healthy relationship with them. We know how to be in a righteous relationship with them. And we, we know how to take care of them. And, and allow them to take care of us, you know. And so it's those four things, self-awareness, self-management, awareness of others, and then relationships with others, and actually being able to manage others and allow them to help manage us, meaning lead others and allow them to lead us. But if that first step isn't active, you know, if we're not actively engaged in that first step, it affects all those other steps. And so going back to, you know, the question of Mary and Martha, uh, we need Mary inside of us, you know. We need to be active in allowing Mary, that, that aspect of our, of our spiritual personality, if you will, 
to, to grow and to mature because she helps us to become aware of what's going on with Christ and, the, and, and, and what to do with that inside. But we also need that Martha, you know, who is aware of the needs of other people and how to help other people. So it's both. Father Sizemore, you were talking about the importance of this self-awareness. And I think one of the obstacles, like we had said, is our wounds that we might have. And we, know, we, of course, know that there are other exterior obstacles, like we need to actually make time for silence, set aside time, and um, have a you know, actual silent place to go with the Lord. But in terms of interior obstacles, what would you say is maybe one of the, the biggest obstacles that we ourselves maybe need to be attentive to so that we can grow in hearing the Father's voice in prayer? One of them I'm become more keenly aware of and more often is um, a lack of self-confidence. Mm. In what way? Uh, well, self-worth, you know. Mm. People really struggling with um, their um, sense of, of worthiness, you know, mm. like worthiness before God, for instance. I mean, none of us are worthy of God's love. God loves us unconditionally, right? And then he calls us to himself. And then we have to start getting used to the reality that he loves us, not despite our sins, but even in our sins, you know, like St. Paul talks about, um, you know, that that even while we were yet sinners, uh, God sent a Savior to us to save us from our sins, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that was an act of love. So I think it's uh, self worth, uh, and not just in relationship with God, but in relationship with others, because we live in such a fallen world now, and we are so socialized um, in a variety of um, ideologies now um, that uh, that pick apart a person's self-worth. So, for right. instance, people um, on social media, and they're constantly comparing themselves to other people's lives and families and the way that they themselves look compared to others. And so then they look at themselves in the mirror, and all they see is their flaws, because that's how they've been socialized, you know? But like St. Catherine of Siena, the Lord was asking her, look into the mirror of self-knowledge and see me looking back at you, right. you know? And that... so I think that's one thing that a people... A lot of people really struggle with, and then it has all these um, ramifications in how we treat ourselves um, in relationship with God and others, and how we allow others to treat us. Yeah, I agree with you, Father Sizemore, and I think this gets back to the conversation that we were kind of having a little earlier, this idea of identity. And so I'd like to just kind of open the conversation to the rest of the table, this idea of like, maybe what are some of those obstacles that you've perceived, and some of the ways that maybe you've been able to combat that either with specific scripture passages or just ways that you've prayed to, yeah, understand your worthiness before God. Yeah, if I could jump in and just say, there's a quote that I think really sums up everything Father just said in terms of he talked about the mirror. There's a deep tradition in the Catholic Church of of this mirror of gazing at at, at Christ as a mirror. He talked about our wounds and he talked about identity. This quote comes from Saint Anthony, he uh, Saint Anthony of Padua. He says. 
So thy life shall be hanging before thee, hanging as in the cross, looking at the cross. As you look at yourself in it as in a mirror, there you can recognize how mortal were your wounds that no medicine could cure except the blood of the Son of God. If you have looked well, you will have been able to recognize how precious and excellent you are for whom such priceless blood was shed. No man can better understand his own worth than in the mirror of the cross. And so in looking in the cross, you're seeing God, the greatest being to ever exist, dying for you, suffering for you. So that doesn't, some people look at that and feel this guilt and the shame and guilt is good in a sense. Shame would not be, but guilt is good in a sense. But in the end, another way of looking at it is he did that for me. That shows the level of importance that I have, the level of my own identity, that I am God's son and that a father would die for a son. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in taking, and then, so in looking at his wounds, you're also seeing your wounds and you're seeing my wounds are a result of sin, a sin that, that God wants to take away so much that he's willing to give his own life, that Jesus is willing to give his own life for my sins. And if the level of sacrifice of another for you doesn't show your own identity and your own worth, I don't know what does. And so for me, that has been very deep in the Franciscan tradition, the Capuchin tradition in contemplation is just to sit in silence in the chapel and to gaze upon the cross. It's St. Clair, right? She talks about the it mirror. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In her letters to Agnes. In her letter to, fourth letter to Agnes. Yeah. You're, you're right. Another saint. This is the third saint we're talking about, the mirror, right? So it's a, it's a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> it's very much a pattern here. Of St. Clair talks about a deep in gaze. She talks about a gaze. Gaze different from look. Mm. Look is almost hearing. We were talking about language earlier, right? Yes. The difference between hearing yes. and listening. Hearing, I would see, is looking, right? You're studying. Meditation, in a sense, you're studying, right? But the contemplation is like listening. The difference between hearing and listening. Contemplation and meditation, the difference there. Or the difference between looking and gazing. It's deeper. It's just simply deeper. Yeah, and I think like all of that is really, it's so good because it's 100% true. I know just like in my own walk, I have struggled with like aligning myself to truth, aligning myself to like, yes, I'm a son of God. And um, I know like this is like a weird practical, but it's one that I have done better in other seasons. And like, Um, we say a lot to do at Damascus is just like declaring truth over yourself because Mm -hmm. like in the beginning, like God spoke, Jesus is the word of God and all of that goodness. And, um, so like when we are using our voices, because we are children of God, we have the power to speak life or death over ourselves. So like, I know in high school, I said a lot of stupid things about myself. Like, Oh, I hate myself. Oh, like I'm terrible. I'm bad. And like, now these days I have to do the opposite and like build myself up. Like, no, I am a son of God. I am loved. I have to gaze at myself in the mirror and like do this. Like that is one of the best ways to like make these declarations is to like look at yourself and like declare a a God given truth of like God died for me and I'm worthy of that. And I mean, this is uh, from the reading of Shane to the, uh, (laughs) the group here. Um, like, I think in that we can change how we gaze upon ourselves to see like us looking more like Jesus, because when we declare, I am a child of God, Jesus is the son of God. I was made good. God is goodness. 
-hmm. Like we are taking those things of God and putting them on ourselves. We're changing how our reflection looks. Yeah, Shane, and I think that's such a great practical that we can take away from today. Um, I I think we've talked about so many practicals, which is awesome. Um, But just this idea of having those truths ready to combat those lies and to maybe even find the one that you find your mind going to quite often and then finding a way to have that very specific way to combat it. Um, Reminding yourself, I'm a child of God. I am made in his image and likeness. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, The Lord has created me in goodness. It's just like ways that you could simply say those truths anytime those lies come up. I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. Father Sizemore, the image that come to me is, uh, and Pope Francis has used this as the uh, church as a field hospital. What um what are you doing in in your parish, and how can we labor, you know, with our priests to um to remedy all these uh, uh, wounds that that we carry personally as well as uh, you know a, as a society? How how does the church function in that? Well, I think in many ways, and yeah, I mean, our parishes are the front lines, you know, in many ways. Uh, and um, just think about, first of all, one of the sacraments that Christ has given us, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, you know, uh, to freely let that flow into people's lives, so to speak, the oil, you know, to be available to people, that sacred oil, um, because there's graces that come. And it's not just, by the way, um, a sacrament, in, in the you know when we when our older generation looks back and extreme unction or you know the last rites because the last rites were part of three sacraments that's why it's plural right the Eucharist uh, anointing of the sick and confession um, so confession is another one too making that freely available to people um, you know like at our parish we do confessions on Monday night and Wednesday nights and Saturdays evenings, and then also um, available by appointment. And so I know Father Mike and I are um, pretty constantly hearing people's confessions, especially when they're willing uh, to meet with us uh, outside of the regular scheduled time, meaning I want to spend a little more time with you as a spiritual father so that uh, we can go a little bit more deeper, you know. But there's grace right there in the sacrament of reconciliation and in the anointing of the sick. And then I think another thing that's important for us is to recognize these healing ministries that are available to um, us. You know, I think of, uh, of um, uh, guys, uh, John Paul II Healing Center down in um, Tallahassee, Florida, and they'll come up to a parish and do um, a healing retreat. It's usually like a three-day healing retreat. Uh, called Healing the Whole Person. You know, so we had 500 people here at our parish um, going through that three-day seminar, and uh, about 250 present and 250 on on Zoom we did it through. And um, it was very, very impactful for people um, discovering those wounds, um, addressing those wounds, finding healing remedies for those wounds, and then finding a course going forward to continue to um, 
shore up those wounds and 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 let them scab over and uh, and, uh, and and you know let those scars uh, be a reminder of God's healing touch. So I just think there's a variety of different healing ministries. I, one other thing I'll mention is um, the touch of another person is important. Um, you know, uh, before we start mass, so meaning before the procession and the music, we always ask people not just to stand and introduce themselves to one another, but is there something I can pray for you? You know, and if there is, would you mind if we pray right now? Mm. Could I place yeah. a hand on you? You know, so it's always asking the permission of the other person. But I've had multiple people say to me uh, over the years that, um, you know, I came to church with this heavy burden. Um, let's say that they've been here for years or this is their first time at this particular parish. And then someone turned around and said, can I pray for you? And then they actually prayed for me. And, and I felt that burden lifted, you know. I felt cared for it. I, I, I felt as if I mattered, you know. Rather than going into our parishes and no one engages you at all, and you walk out and there's no engagement with another person at all, you know. Christ created a, a, a church for not just the dispensation of, you know, of, of sacraments, um, but um, also for an encounter of Christ, but, but, but for the encounter of, of Christ in the other person. And so I think uh, I love what I'm seeing happening in the Catholic Church um, around the world. And, you know, uh, Cam uh, is related to Damascus and has been involved with there. I know that they very freely, um, uh, con- you know, ask people, is there something I can pray for you? And I think that's a, a habit, if you will, therefore, a virtue that all of us can develop as, as, as we listen to people and not just say things like, oh, I'll pray for you, you know, and then sometimes we remember to pray for the person and sometimes we don't. But can I pray for you right now? Mm-hmm. You know? Father, I'm reminded of Father Ricardo's uh, sessions uh, at the, the evangelization uh, leadership so, summit yeah mm-hmm. um you know the two comments here hurt people hurt people but healed people heal people mm-hmm. and he made the point in the breakout with uh, mary guilfoyle that for a healthy community whether whether that community is the family the parish society um that personal healing that inner healing has to come first and it's only if, if we're healthy can we create healthy families, healthy parishes, a healthy culture. So, mm, so true. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that it's never too late, right? That the Lord always wants to do a work in us, and he always wants to heal, heal us. He's still doing that? He's still doing that. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter what walk of life we're in, where we are in our spiritual life. Like he, he always wants to continually come into our heart and transform us. Amen. And no, and it's not just that you're never too late. Um, you know, but it's also, um, ongoing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, healing, uh, takes time, you know? And to give ourselves the grace of that time, because God definitely gives us the grace of time uh, to walk with Him and to walk with others. And I, 
uh, one of the uh, of the um, I just heard earlier about you know about contemplation and and part of that is hearing and part of that then is studying you know and um, and that's so true you know like um, picking up um, a book or a podcast uh, and um, that you know is geared towards a person's wound or just geared towards healing in general and um and reading that and considering that and also um or listening to that ongoing those ongoing episodes of that podcast um and um uh, and allowing that you know to continue to be applied to our lives mm-hmm, mm-hmm. could i jump in here and just say how then the contemplative prayer could lead to healing through the sacraments because we're talking about all these topics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the recent cardinal, Cardinal Cantalamesa, he's the papal preacher. So he, for the past three popes, he's given their retreats. He's recently made a cardinal. He has this amazing book called The Eucharist, Our Sanctification. And he talks in there about how, how contemplation is very important in the sacraments. So let's go to confession, which Father talked about. Imagine you go in and you receive confession and you receive the grace of confession and you walk out and you're immediately on to your next thing, right? Or let's say you receive the Eucharist, the Mass is ended, go in peace, thanks be to God, and then you're, boom, right out. I used to have a Capuchin that would challenge me to just sit for a few extra minutes and to contemplate, to rest in what you've just received. So Father Contalamesa talks about about how contemplation is an activation of the graces. How, in a sense, with these with these sacraments, you've received the grace, but and so you have them, but in a sense, they can lay dormant, right? But through contemplation, through resting in what you've just received, that activates it and empowers the graces even more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Brother Michael, is there any, I guess, scripture or anything that you continually find yourself going back to, kind of just in the midst of our whole conversation? Is there something practically that some of us can take away yeah i go back to and mary contemplated these things in her mm, heart right and she go. held these things in her <laughs> heart and uh, i go yeah. also go back to jesus anytime jesus goes up onto a mountain it's almost always like one or two verses max maybe right. even a single line but there's actually also a pattern if you notice after jesus goes away some of the biggest miracles happen afterwards mm-hmm. peter walked on water after jesus went up onto the mountain right and so you have those are the moments. I look for the moments of prayer of Jesus, and it's almost always contemplative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shane, you're one thing you find yourself going back to? Um, put yourself in the story. We haven't talked about that at all, mm-hmm. but um, how I would pray through Scripture is um, put yourself in the story. It's really easy with the Gospels because those are very story-based. Um, Old Testament, if you have the context, it gets a little easier. New Testament letters, good luck. I haven't figured that one out yet, so let me know if you have. <laughs> We'll do that in part two of this series now on cultivating the interior conversation with God. Father Sizemore, thanks for being with us. Shane, Brother Michael, God bless you all. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. We'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. And we'll have a conversation on praying for souls in purgatory. God bless you all. Have a great day.